Welcome to the Visionary's Journey. Like life, this podcast is an experiment. We embrace imperfections and learn as we go. This episode is part two of three of my conversation with Ben Sargent. After January 6th, I started asking guests who is a black person, indigenous person, or person of color in their lives who's made an impact on their lives. I spoke to Ben again in March 2021, in which he gives a poignant response. As a content warning, I want to let you know that our conversation includes gun violence. If you do not want to listen to this episode, feel free to skip ahead to part three, where we take a look under the hood to see what drives Ben Sargent's visionary ways. Who is a Black person, Indigenous person, person of color in your life who has been a role model for you? Yeah. Um, my brother-in-law, Fernando, most definitely that person. Unfortunately, uh, two years ago, we lost him to gun violence. He is actually uh, Afro-Peruvian. Um, apart from just being like a wonderful, wonderful person, situation was just like entirely horrible and completely unfair because he had nothing to do with it. It was, uh, you know, a family strife over a piece of real estate, basically. And, um, you know, it was just, it was a way to get back at um, his family that he was murdered point blank. Uh, just like the shittiest of situations and like the absolute disregard for human life. And I've never in my entire 43 years on this earth just realized how quickly someone can be taken away from you. And it's also really i think people people believe that like being right or making their point or um winning is really important and um unfortunately we live in a day and age now where any old person can just pick up a gun and kill you and then like what's the point of winning you know, if you're putting business or money in front of human life and you're like, yeah, I'm on top, and then someone comes and kills your family member, like, you lose. So I have become a person who I think more than any other time in my life just realizes, like, it doesn't matter. Like, don't, don't, don't try so hard to be on top or win arguments or be the that person because at the end of the day it can all be taken away from you in an instant and um it's it's a really really hard lesson and you know what my family is going through and has been going through for the past two years is like just something i would not wish upon anybody else to answer your question the part of um him being black and not white 
um, in Peru had a lot to do with how the case or no case is being handled right now. Part of it's COVID because, you know, a lot of court cases have been put on hold. You know, his cell phone was stolen by the police and that would have been used as evidence. And um, it's just like, um, you know, Peru has a lot of the same problems that we have in in the United States. Um, And in some ways more so because if you're white and privileged, you have anything and everything at your disposal um, and a court and things get settled quickly and efficiently and if you're not um, you're in our situation which has just been lagging on forever and we don't have answers and um, and that's that and I think it's just the thing that it's taught me is to like try and live way more in the moment and try and like I open up my cell phone with a screenshot of Fernando and me surfing um, as a reminder to me to try and just appreciate exactly what you have right then and there at that very moment. Um, because like that's how it was in a single second, my entire life changed. Um, and I'm trying to make my life better because of it, or at least become a little more like Fernando. And he was the kind of person who just put friendships above anything. And like his friendships were in no way about like um, bettering himself or in so many places, the the friends that you choose are the friends that are going to help you to become a better, richer, more famous, more successful, more whatever, you know, like people are constantly climbing the ladder. And Fernando was just one of those people who was friends with his group of elementary kids for his entire life. And that was it. He didn't need anybody more. He didn't want anybody more. His best friends were his best friends. When he came to visit me for a couple of months in winter, um, I was in Lima and he got on the plane and his buddies all showed up at the airport and they were all like in tears. These like tough looking guys with tattoos were all like hugs and kisses and in tears. And I'm like, is there some part of this I don't understand? Like, aren't you coming back in two months? Like, wow, these guys are like real softies. And my wife just explained, like, you have to understand, like, that's the kind of friend he is to people. And um, for them, to not have him around for two months is like horrible. <clears throat> and um, it wasn't too long after that that he was killed. And um, it's just, it's just, uh, just unbelievable, to be honest. It just doesn't, to this day, it doesn't even seem real. I know it's real, but it just doesn't, doesn't seem that way. It seems too, too shitty and horrible. And uh, the worst part of it all is like, I don't think anyone should ever for a second think that they are above that or that's not their circle or they feel invincible or untouchable or like you've reached a certain socioeconomic level or something like that and you're and you're now like exempt from that kind of stuff. Like you're not. It can happen in the flash of an eye. 
just like just like that. And um, doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or whatever, it will destroy you to some extent. Yeah. I'm still here. So, I'm thinking it. Yeah. It's not. There's no going back. Like it will forever change you, and it will like just take a piece of you. Are you okay? And I don't think people. I just don't think people get that part of it. They just don't understand. So. Yeah. No, I, I think people do separate themselves from gun violence. Like, I never I never thought this would happen to me. I never thought this would enter my world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, it's it was my my wife's best friend and my daughter will never grow up with like most awesome uncle in the whole world and um it's all pointless like that's the worst part of it all it's all pointless this mm -hmm. whole like eye for an eye tooth for a tooth like all this waste of time i think that's i hope that's what it's taught me like you know human human life is a lot more important than being right or showing someone you're a tough guy or whatever like it's just none of it's worth it and i would hope to think that the people who did this to him i'm sure they don't or won't or this would never have this realization but like it's all so silly it could all it all could just be solved with a a meeting a handshake uh a lawyer, I don't know, but like you go and kill somebody and it's over. It's just the craziest shit, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I think about war and I'm like, people get so numb to it, you know, almost like trained mm -hmm. to kill, you know, and maybe they were in the military mm -hmm. or something before, you know, maybe they had that experience and like just don't, I don't know. I don't want to explain away anything because I totally agree with you. But I don't know. I try to reason things sometimes. War is the exact same thing. Exact same thing. Because you skip two generations and those people that hated each other and wanted to kill each other and would have murdered each other and, you know, in the street if they had the opportunity, suddenly two generations go by and everyone's best friends again and, like, most of that stuff is gone and you just realize... It was all so pointless. You know, how many wars have we fought that didn't, that outcome wasn't what we wanted? Or like World War Two, I think, was a, a valuable war and one worth, obviously, our getting involved in. But at the same time, like, I've had moments where I just chuckle because, like, our, my grandparents and, like, my buddies, Matt's grandparents, were killing each other, would have killed each other at, at any chance they had, you know? And there I am, you know, two generations later, just sitting with my German 
buddy Matt, we're good friends and we have no uh, zero animosity towards each other. But like you know, I think my grandfather was proud to have served his country and to have made an impact in World War Two. But at the end of the day, like Matt and I don't hate each other anymore. <laughs> yeah, I just got this visual of like instead of shooting each other, like shoot the idea bubbles above their heads and like, let it be over with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It is, it is entirely horrible and crazy. I sort of, I, I guess I roll with like sometimes a pickup truck fisherman crowd. <laughs> and yet, um, you know, I, and I also, I grew up in a family that had a, a gun shop in uh, in Massachusetts, a big one, and um, I I love I love playing around with guns. I was learned to sh- shoot a gun responsibly and be a gun owner responsibly, and I had a whole bunch of guns at one point. And um, so they're they're a horrible thing. It's like we don't live in the wild west anymore, and um, the evidence there to support needing a gun for protection is just it's not there it doesn't exist you almost always get yourself into a it, had i had a gun uh in fernando's situation i couldn't have changed the thing because it happened so quick i'm one of those people who wouldn't care if you took away every gun right i just think they're they're horrible things yeah for, for the reason for the reason that i said not not because you know it's just that there's no there's no going back with a gun you know Fishing, fishing. I like fishing because when you catch a fish, you're like, should I eat this fish or should I return it to the ocean so that it can live another day? And um, guns don't give you that opportunity to rethink what you've done. It's all done, said and done, and over. And there's no, there's there's zero, there's zero tough guy. There's zero like balls in being somebody with a gun. Guns are not for tough guys. Guns are for absolute wusses, in my opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's it take to pull a trigger? Or in this case, shut your eyes and pull a trigger. You don't even want to see what you're doing. I mean, it's just so, that's how I feel about guns. That's it, you know? And and, and I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I, as a little kid, remember being absolutely awestruck by police. I thought they were the end all, the coolest thing ever. So much so that I used to stand beside one guy, pull his <laughs> cop car into this little driveway, and write tickets. You know, when people went speeding past him, and my mom used to let me hang out with him just because I thought he was like the coolest thing in the whole world. And um, cops are not heroes anymore. I mean, I know there's good cops out there, but for the majority, with what's going on, just hate. It's just like. Who are these people? And I see these cops like pushing people, shoving them, and escalating the situation to the point where, yeah, you know. And like, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. Like, a lot of these cops are the ones that got picked on in school. They were bullied. They were not the cool kids. They were not the liked, popular kids. They went into law enforcement because. They never had any power. They were never taken seriously. And then they use it in the wrong way. And obviously it's racism. We all know it's racism. The 
whole George Floyd thing could have been could have been dealt with in two minutes, and any one of the other cops that were there would have been like, "Look, dude, you've made your point. Pat the guy on the back. He's in handcuffs. Make sure because he did he did resist arrest, but just make sure he's okay. Make sure he's unharmed. Give him a hand up and put him in the cop car." I know. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have to say on the matter, I guess. <laughs> Just one other thing, but I would say that those moments in your life when someone's taken away from you in such an unfair way, like, it teaches you more in that single moment than, like, you've learned in a lifetime sometimes. I will say for sure I have a different person than hopefully, hopefully a way, way better person because of Thank you for listening to Ben's experience. My heart goes out to his family and people who are traumatized by gun violence. Remember in part one when I thanked Ben for crossing my path? Well, each and every one of us affects the other. Our actions, reactions, and inactions shape each precious moment of one another's lives. That's why it's so important to be aware of our own energy and know how to communicate it, verbally or non-verbally. I had a thought. In quantum physics, chronological time as we know it does not exist. What if our past lives, our present lives, and our future lives were being played out at the same time around the world by other humans? Wouldn't it be so much easier to take into consideration everyone's best interests? We would have so much more incentive to see ourselves in others and others in ourselves. We could feed each other so much more love, that unconditional love that is imperative for conflict resolution, survival, and growth for our whole society. But that's not how everyone sees it, you know? Some people are just out to win, as Ben said. You may be asking, why are you talking about race relations on this podcast? What does this story have to do with being a visionary or singlehood or manifesting? Well, thanks for asking. Because asking questions is why this podcast exists. Learning from our fellow humans is why this podcast exists. So I have three answers for you. Number one, questioning the status quo is part of being a visionary. We need to pass the mic to black people, indigenous people, and people of color all over the world who are visionaries and give them more airtime because representation matters. I plan to do more of this too. Let's remember people like Fernando, who was a visionary in his own supportive, non-judgmental nature. We can carry his compassionate spirit and unconditional love with us to keep community bonds strong. Fernando's influential life still matters, and so do countless others. I invite you to listen and learn the truth of BIPOC history so we can start to see from other people's perspectives, so we can identify in clear systemic roadblocks. Number two, practicing active listening is a great way to build relationships for singles and for all of us, really. Listen with your whole body. Ask open-ended questions. 
Listen without an agenda to debate. Listen without defensiveness. Listen with curiosity. Reflect back what you are hearing so you can understand the perspective deeper. And number three, finding safety and peace is paramount to manifesting your dreams. To make creative, joyous manifesting more accessible to everyone, no matter their race, gender expression, or sexual orientation, repeated trauma needs to end. When you're constantly looking over your shoulder for your bodily safety, you cannot relax enough to get creative. There needs to be time and space and enough of a feeling of peace to allow for healing and to allow for manifesting bigger dreams. Each of us has the opportunity to be a visionary. Let's make sure people in our paths get the resources to fulfill their vision. What is one thing you can do to start? Believe people's stories, listen without judgment, and act once you've had time to carefully reflect on everyone's best interest. Diversity, equity, and inclusion specialists say practicing anti-racism is a marathon, not a one-time sprint. We need to do our own work. We need to rest, and then we need to keep going in a sustainable way. I'll share some of the people I follow in the show notes. To end on a high note, I want to share something I've learned from quantum mechanics. It's that energy doesn't disappear. People who have passed on, their consciousness is out there. Ask them to send you a sign. It can be anything. A song they loved, a rainbow cow, a spork, whatever. Be open to receive their message when it comes. Timing is everything. I do this with my grandfather. He shows up as a cardinal for our whole family. And lo and behold, a whole family of them are living in the tree outside my window. I can't help but think they're looking out for me. They're waking me up in the morning and teaching me how many baby steps it takes to fly. Create spaces of kindness and peace for those you encounter on your path. You never know who might need it in that particular moment. Take care of yourselves and your communities, my visionaries. I'll see you next time on The Visionary's Journey.